There was a Boston consultant who was working with a bunch of college graduates. He said, I want you to pick out the words that you think represents this generation. And they, I'll give you a clue. It starts with the letter E. And all of these young hopefuls said, energetic, excellent, evolving, electronic even, some of them. And after they listed all these E's, the executive listened to all the E's. And he said, actually, the number one most commonly used word to describe this generation as they move forward into the workplace is the word entitled. Entitled. In fact, the millennials are labeled as, in many people's eyes, as the entitled generation. You see it on your TV screens and the news. Everyone feels like they deserve something when they didn't work for it or do anything to earn it. Now, before we jump on this generation and and feel like we're going to just go ahead and stomp this generation out, I want you to understand something that some of that falls on the generations prior. Right? Some of that falls in some heavy, heavy duty call outs are necessary because, in fact, the past generations that are my age and older. The typical person that worked, they worked many, many hours. And so, in fact, what they do is, in order to make up for the fact that either they weren't home or they weren't present, they would just give their kids stuff. They would give them stuff to keep their attention, to keep their love, to keep them occupied. It was before iPads. All right? Now it's iPads. Back then it was, let me give you whatever. Yes, yes, absolutely, we'll give it to you. We're too busy, we're too busy, we're too busy. And we realize that now we've created a monster, so to speak. And so, if I could just make more money, I can then make my children happy. If I could just make more money, my wife and my son and my daughter and my husband. If I could just, if I could just, if I could just. And what happened was they became entitled. And so we've done so much to protect them that we've hurt them. Back then when I was a kid, you could ride in the back of a car, roll around with your friends. God forbid you made a left turn and weren't embraced for it and ready for it. You go rolling. How many remember that? Let's be honest. Some of you are like, I don't know if I should raise my hand. Let's be honest. The camera's not on you. It's on me. Right, you roll around. My mom had a station wagon. We'd be back there staring at the people behind them, making faces. No seatbelt, no helmet. Nowadays, you buckle down with a twenty-seven point harness. <laughs> Kids are so protected, right? Very different, very different day and age. When I was a kid back then, we when we we get a trophy when we win something. Now you just get a trophy for signing up. You got a pulse? Here's a trophy, Johnny. You threw horribly. You were the slowest one, but here's a trophy. That had nothing to do with the sport. Here's a trophy. Giant trophy. My son came home with a trophy one time. And God bless my son. He's a wonderful kid. He did not know a lick about baseball. 
He's in second base with the helmet backwards. He looked like Darth Vader on second base. I'm like, Joe, turn the helmet around. An indictment on me was I was one of the coaches. Joe, turn it around. You can't see. He's like, uh. You know what he did? Good job, Josiah. He came home with a trophy about as big as him. They're like, here, Josiah. The trophy. What are you going to do with that? He can it's bigger than him. That's the world we live in. Back then, you had to win something. I got, I got trophy when I was a kid. I was in literally, we won the World Series that year. I got a trophy. Now everybody gets a trophy. I'm standing with mine like, I, I won once. These kids got like 27 trophies. They never won a single championship. I'm like, oh, I won, oh, I won one. This generation feels entitled. You know what the problem is? Is that that leaked into gratitude. Nobody's grateful for things like they once was. See, some of you, uh, in your bulletins, we gave you a handout, and there's three uh, specific lines that you're going to need to fill in. So if you want to grab that, you can. And I want to tell you right now, one of the lines is, the opposite of entitlement is gratitude. The opposite of entitlement is gratitude. This morning's message isn't simply entitled, Gratitude. It's from Kingdom Codes. It's code number two. Last week we talked about honor. Code number one is honor. And how honor is very important. This morning, Kingdom Code number two is gratitude. Gratitude. The opposite of entitlement is gratitude. Right? The opposite of entitlement. This all, everything I deserve what comes to me. Gratitude says, I don't, you know what? I'm grateful for what I have. I don't need you to give me anything else. I'm grateful for what I have. Let's look at the Bible for a moment because that's our main text. The main text is not to do with my thoughts. The main text is the word of God. And here it is. Word of God, Luke chapter 17. Turn there with me for a moment. And I want to tell you a story that's very interesting in this story. The story is interesting because in respect to how we approach life, gratitude can come easy for some of you. And gratitude doesn't come easy for some of you. For some of you, it's more like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Whatever doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. When we look at the story, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men, that is to say ten men who had leprosy, met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I'm going to stop right there. How many of them were? Ten, right? So here we got ten, but nine were in a different mindset. Because we have to understand something that 
as they had leprosy, for those that don't know much about leprosy, and leper was one of the most painful diseases that you could ever imagine. They would, people would have sores in their body, and in fact, those sores would, and forgive this a uh, little bit graphic, but uh, you've probably seen worse on TV. And so they got ooze coming out, and those sort of things, a horrible disease, very painful. In fact, it wouldn't be much for uh, someone with leprosy to go to sleep and wake up, and an animal could be gnawing at a body, limb, or something, and almost tear it up. Because it was falling apart. That leper was in a bad situation. The physical pain was so bad, according to Leviticus 13, that the person that was going through it had to yell about themselves, unclean, unclean, to warn those who were around. Now, how many of you ever met um, somebody that should probably be yelling that? And I did a lot of youth ministry. So when we were at camps, I think some kids should have practiced this. Where they would yell, unclean, unclean, because they smelled. Those junior high, I tell you what. I would be like, it's your turn to shower. I don't care if you showered earlier today, you need to shower again. Right? But this is a whole new level of unclean. This is a whole lot more. And so they had to actually warn. How embarrassing would that be emotionally to every person that had to yell, unclean, unclean, about themselves, about what they were experiencing, about themselves. So watch this. They said they would have to yell this out. These people were not just physically hurting all the time. They were emotionally hurt all the time because they always had to relive their pain. And some of you walk around the same way, reliving your pain, saying, look at me, I am unclean. I am messed up. And in my life, I want, you to, I want to tell you something. You don't have to walk around saying, unclean, unclean. You don't. I want you to realize something here today. That when we come to a place where we know who Jesus is, we too will yell out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Why? Because they understood their present condition. They understood their present condition and their place in society. And they decided to say, Jesus, have mercy on us. Why? Because they heard this rabbi can do some things. There are some people that walk into our churches today. They don't expect anything and they walk out with nothing. And then they go, that was not really worth my time. How about if we came to worship like this? What if we came to him? Jesus, master, have pity on us. Well, you say, well, Pastor Tony, I am saved. I am a saint of God. I am saved by grace. Slow your roll. Because you got to realize that every single one of us, if it were not for the cross, if it were not for the cross, we would be in that same position. Not necessarily physically. You don't typically see lepers walking down the street in Lewisburg and Milton nowadays, right? But spiritually, there are people that their lives are falling apart. So if you would entertain this for a moment, I need you to understand something. When they saw him, they yelled, Jesus, please help us. This could be their moment. They had heard about Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Whoa, 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 slow down. Don't touch me. I heard about y'all. No, no, that's not what Jesus said. You know what he said? He saw them and he said, go, show yourself to the priests 
And as, as they, look at, look at me, as they went, they were cleansed. What if they stood and said, no, but I need you to do a formula, a certain prayer. I need you to do it a certain way. We come to God and we say, Lord, do it this way because this is the way I understand it to be. And God says, let me be God and you be you. Right? Let me be God and you be you. And so what happens as they went? Say it with me. As they went. It took obedience for them to get to that place of healing. As they went. Miracles. Healed. Disease. Gone. Their greatest dreams, their biggest prayer had just been answered. Verse 15 says something very surprising. How many, however many of them, how many of them were healed? Ten. The Bible says that one came back. One came back. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God In a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And what what had happened? He says this. Look at at your Bible here. Verse 15 through 18. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. and, And he was a what? He healed a Samaritan. Don't tell the authorities. Just... Jews and Samaritans had beef, as they call it back when I was a kid. They had problems. They had issues. But he's healing people regardless of their background. Come on, somebody. Regardless of where they came from. God is healing people. Jesus is healing people. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one was found to return and give praise to God except this (laughs) the one that had a reason not to return. Let me get what I got to get and roll out of here. They don't like me as it is. When you get touched by God, your background and your history changes your perspective. Right? You You can look at God in a certain way. When God heals you in spite of whatever you've done wrong or whatever you, this, that, and the other, you know, all of a sudden you start to get a new perspective. You know what? I'm not just a Samaritan. I'm a healed Samaritan. And he said, I need to go and thank the one that has healed me. Nine didn't, but one did. So my question as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, how dumbfounded was Jesus that he had to verbalize what he was thinking? He says, wait a second. How many of them? Where are the other nine? Disciples are probably like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't think Jesus was really, really asking a question like he didn't know. He knew the answer. Jesus often asked questions for us to think about, not for him. (laughs) Like Jesus needs our advice. These men were begging, crying out in deep distress. Life was one of the big, you know, big struggles with their physical body. But then all of a sudden now they're healed. One guy comes back. My question this morning is simply this. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Only one stop to thank God for his blessings. 
Will you be the one that daily pauses to give God glory and honor to the one who gave you life? Will you be the one to stop all your busyness and lift up a true heartfelt worship to the creator of the universe? Will you be the one that longs to be in his presence even if things aren't going right? Will you be the one to write a thank you note to express your gratitude to a leader who impacted you or touched one of your, uh, uh, bless one of your kids back there and minister to them? Will you be the one to write a thank you note to your life group leader? Will you be the one who, who, who says, thank you for investing in me? Will you be the one? Or will you be like most people today or at the very least many people here today in our, in our world? I don't have time to stop. I got things to do. Will you be the one to have that grateful mindset? I want to cue this video that we have back there. Let's get the sound going. I want you to watch this video about maybe taking the things that you normally get in gratitude. Let me lie. Let me lie. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Christine, you're here too. I love you. I know. Dad, what's happening? <laughs> Honey, the power works. It's coming. It goes on and off. Whatever we want. <laughs> We've got clean water. Oh, that's great. Look at that. Ooh. I bet I know what this does. Bring down the glorious water. Ah, shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. I love food. A beef thing? Do you not have work? This is awesome. Look, what's in here? Dee, the what? Jack, be careful. Oh, I have a car. Did you guys see this? Oh, you have a car. Oh, a car. <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. You're the best. <laughs> I think. I think that paints a picture for us, and maybe it's a little bit early, but that's all right. Christmas is definitely on its way. Walmart's been ready for it like four months ago. (laughs) I want to talk about types of ungratefulness that tends to happen, right? For those of you that have your bulletins, there's a sheet in there. For those of you that want to take notes, there's three that I want to expose. Because if we could expose the types of ungratefulness... I believe we can tap into a kingdom code today. How many believe that? How many believe that when you're grateful for something that God has given you, God blesses you with even more? I really believe that. And so here's the types of ungratefulness here as we approach, um, you know, these exposing these things. The first one is expose material ungratefulness. So here's a series of questions I put together. Am I dissatisfied because my TV is not good enough or big enough? Am I unhappy with my non-granite countertops? Am I disgruntled because I don't have heated seats in my car? Do I have a closet full of clothes and yet have, quote, 
nothing to wear. Oh, some of y'all just went, preach I have nothing to wear. I have no shoes. What are you talking about? I won't go there. I won't go there. I'm going to be very, I'm going to tread lightly. So I value my life. Ask yourself, am I grateful for what I have? Am I grateful? You see, we often sometimes, I should say, we often look at things very differently than I think God would have us look at. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give us great things. Is that right? I believe God wants to bless us. I believe God wants to give us great things. I do. I don't believe that's his primary objective, but I believe he wants to. And so sometimes we kind of put on ourselves in this this day and age, we're living in an age, not necessarily Christians, but I think everybody in general in some point or another has said, I deserve a better paying job. And if I can't get a better paying job, I want to go somewhere else. You know when it gets bad? I'd rather not have a job than have a job I, I don't get paid right. And that's the difference between those who just want to work their way to get there or just those that want to give it and have it handed to them. I'd rather not have a job than have a job that I have to work my way to the top. Or people don't acknowledge me and understand my gifts, my abilities. Right? And so what happens? We never understand what it means to earn your way to a place. Right? And listen, this is not just, I'm not picking on just this generation. I think this is an American mindset. Is that right? How many of you know full-grown adult males and females that actually think this way? Like they completely think, I deserve this. I deserve a free this and a free that. Right? And so we deal with this as a church. I, I, we want to help everyone that comes our way. We really do. But we don't have the resources to be able to, or the manpower or, the, or anything to do that. Right? So sometimes we have to be kind of, uh, we got to kind of pick and choose our battles and kind of thing. We try to help as many people as possible. But some people come to the, can I be honest with you? Sometimes people come to the church with like these lofty ideals of what the church is supposed to be. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to help the widow, right? We're supposed to help and disciple people and bring people to Jesus. Like we can't single-handedly as a church help everybody in our community at the same time. It's impossible, at least for us right now. And any church, really. But some people have this entitlement. You won't be, you'll be surprised as to how people approach the church. And I'm going, listen, we want to help you. We want to bless you, you know. But there's this entitlement element that's very difficult to maneuver around. I deserve these benefits. I deserve this vacation. And we look at the little ones. These little, I, I'm looking at 10-year-olds on a, almost a daily basis, watching these 10-year-olds. Now, understand where I'm coming from with this because I have a 10-year-old. There are some 10-year-olds that have better phones than I do. And I actually bought it, right? Right? And they would not, not just, listen, it's okay to give your kids good gifts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they would throw a huge temper tantrum if they don't get the newest one. And I'm going, you barely hit double digits. And you want a 600 dollars $800, $1,000 phone? You get $1,000. Go and think about what you did. 
A thousand, I'll give you a thousand, all right. Listen, I'm from the old school a little bit. Y'all get offended at that. It's all right. Talk to, talk to one of the ushers. They'll pray for you. I'm from the old school. Listen, you earn your way, right? You, you, listen, I'm not just going to hand you a $1,000 piece of equipment and expect you not to break it. And then you break it and you got to pay more money to repair it. This is more than money, guys. You hear what I'm saying? It's the mindset. I deserve this. All my friends have this. Well, tell your friend to buy you one. Your friend rolling like that, tell him to buy you one. Right? Well, I ain't their parents. I'm yours. And right now, you get an Etch-A-Sketch, not an iPad. (laughs) Old school iPad. You want an app? I got your app. Go and play now. Chacho. Tell you what. $3.99 for Etch-A-Sketch. $399 for an iPad or more. Right? No, thank you. Expose that materialism for what it is. Let them earn it. I have no problem with that. But here's the thing. It's not just kids. It's not just kids. I do that to, to, you know, to joke a little bit, but it's not just the kids. Let's expose material ungratefulness. Amen? Number two, expose relational ungratefulness. It could be that you're sick and tired of your parents being in your business. My parents don't do this, blank, blank, blank. It could be that, you know what, my husband, I wish this person would do more or that person would do more. I wish he'd get a better job and better this and more money. And I wish my spiritual leader would do this. I wish this person would do that. I wish my boss could be this or my, I wish my, I wish my, I wish my, you don't look at what you have. And I'm going to continue to just bring this around because there are people here this morning that weren't here the last couple of weeks, but. And just, it's just continuously in my heart is if I compare what I have from what I want, I'll always be ungrateful. But if I compare what I deserve to what I have, that will bring about great, great blessing. Yeah? Expose what is very real to you. And the relational ungratefulness, sometimes we don't realize the the, the, the cherished relationships we have around us until that person moves away. And you say, oh, we missed that person. But you didn't know what you had when they were here. You ever realize someone meant more to you than they did on, and you didn't realize till they passed away? We had a couple of passings this, in our own Freedom family here recently. And there's some things I realized I appreciated about certain individuals. Namely, Sterling. He would come in here in his wheelchair, roll in here. He was what I call literally a holy roller. That guy literally was like the Holy Spirit on wheels. All right? He was a holy roller in a lot of ways. And, and I never experienced a life celebration service like I did his. I mean, there are literally people cheering and worshiping and praising because of their lives were changed by this man. And one of the things I shared in his life celebration, if I could for just a moment... 
uh, if you would oblige me this for this uh, moment. I remember sharing this thought because it meant the world to me. There were times that he would roll into this, the foyer there and I'd be talking with him. And he'd say, I'd say, how are you doing? And I want to genuinely check on him. And he'd be like, oh, you know, just a little bit of this and all that. But how are you doing? But how are you doing? And he would ask me, but how are you doing? And I thought to myself, man, this, if there's anybody that could have a reason to be frustrated, it'd probably be him, more so than me, right? And I thought to myself, wow, what a man. Because he'd always care about my needs. He'd come up to me after services sometimes, roll up, and, and he'd say, man, that was a good word, brother. He says, and I thought about this when you said that. And he'd drop a nugget, and I'm like, wow. That's good stuff. Like, why didn't you tell me that before service? I could have put that in my notes. I would have gave you cred. I realize how much, you know, I appreciated him. He's not with Jesus and he's dancing. No more wheelchairs, no more pain. But I appreciate him and I'm grateful for the time that we had with him. Number three, expose circumstantial ungratefulness. In other words, How do we go from being entitled to being grateful? How do we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Circumstances oftentimes happen to us and we think, man, how do I get past this? You know what? Sometimes you need to stop. And here's here's something I've been learning to do. Now, I'm telling you I've been learning to do because it takes practice and a lot of work. Here it is. God, I'm going through this, but what can I learn through this? You follow? Like, I'm going through this. I might as well learn something from it, right? Because you're going to go through it. How many know when you go through something, there's some things you just got to go through. You got to get through it, right? Why not learn something through it? So I stop sometimes and go, I don't have an answer for this, God, and I don't have an answer for that. But let me tell you something right now. God, I need you to show me how I can learn through this, my circumstances. And I'll be grateful. Because I realize that everything that I go through is for a reason. Decide, watch this, to cultivate cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Number one, decide to turn every blessing into praise. Decide to turn every blessing into praise. God, I thank you for this. Boom, I'm grateful and start to thank him for it. Thank you, God. I had a lady uh, that was at our, she used to go to our old church. And uh, when, when we were youth pastors, and she would, every time she'd find a, a spot right outside the mall, she would say, thank you, Jesus, for finding me a good spot. Seriously. And I, I'd, I'd laugh because I'm like, all right. Every blessing. Listen, because here's why. If you don't turn every blessing into praise, every blessing that I don't turn to praise turns into pride. Every blessing that I don't say, God, you, I want to acknowledge you as the one who gave it to me. You know what that turns into? I earned it. It turns into pride. It turns about me. It turns about my gift, my ability, what I deserve. So in order to create an attitude of gratitude, we have to realize that everything that we turn, that's a blessing. We got to turn that to praise or it turns to pride. Praise or pride. Those are your options. So here's what I want to encourage you with. We know that God is a giver of good gifts. Raise your hand if you think God is a giver of good gifts, right? 
Don't just feel gratitude, express it. For those of you that are taking notes, that's the filler right there. Don't just feel gratitude, express it. Don't just, hey, I'm so grateful for this person. You know what? Stop what you're doing and write a note. Drop a text. Drop a handwritten note means a lot to me. And so I, I try to do handwritten notes as many times as possible. But sometimes it's just a little text to say thank you. Don't just feel gratitude, express it. Paul said this, I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to feel and need, but I also know what it is to have plenty. How many ever been, how many ever prayed that same way? I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Right, some of you are like, well, more need than plenty. And he says this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Listen, as much as we want to believe that's for sports, it's not. That was not written for sports. It wasn't written for the gym or running. You want to use it. That's great. Encourage you to do that. But you know what he's talking about when he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You know what he's talking about? Content. I can be content with what I have. That's where the real context, if you want to be literal about it, that's where it comes from. Not about, I can bust through this wall through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to hit a beam and be in a coma if I try to bust through this wall. And I'm going to need more than strength. Extra strength. Advil and then some. You realize what I'm saying? I'm saying that we want to try to take these things. But what, what Paul is really saying here is, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Gratitude makes poor people rich. And ungratefulness makes rich people poor. I'll let that settle for a moment. By nature, we are not grateful and not content. Raise your hand if by nature you're not grateful or content. Right? All of us. All of us. Some of you are like, I don't know if I should raise my hand. Be grateful that you can raise your hand. You have the freedom. I'm going to close with this thought for a moment. I read, I read about this and I found this interesting. Elvis Presley. Graceland. 27-room home, $15 million a year when he was alive and in his prime. He made $15 million a year back then. Can you imagine what that looks like today? He had income. He had cars. He had clothes. He had airplanes, records. At 42 years of age, he was, get this, depressed. He eventually overdosed. And you know what? There's a rumor going on. I tried to find when he said it, and I couldn't find it. The rumor has it that he said this, I'd give a million dollars for a day of peace. Friends, this is what I'm talking about when rich and poor. You could have nothing and be rich. You could have everything and be spiritually poor. 
Friend, gratefulness moves you from a place of I deserve to I am blessed. It really does move you there. And so here's my final thought. If you see any ungratefulness, expose it today. Amen? So I'm going to have you bow your heads all across this room. And I want to pray a prayer over you. Oh God, forgive us for our ungratefulness, oh Lord. Have mercy on us for our spirit of entitlement. Change us, oh God, that we would never complain when you've blessed us beyond what we can imagine. God, help us to see that those that are truly without, Father, there are people a lot less fortunate than we are. And Lord, I pray that today you would forgive us for our ingratitude and ungratefulness. Transform us that we may appreciate all that you have for us. God, help us to be people that show you how much we appreciate you. Lord, there are many of us in this room that we've been given so many things that we honestly don't deserve. But you've been so, so good to us. I'm asking you today, Lord Jesus, to help us to not just feel gratitude, but to show it. To show it to you and to show it to your people. God, help us to turn every blessing that you pour out into praise. That it would not turn to pride and pull me from you. God, with your help, Lord, may we be the one. Lord, there were 10 that were healed that day. But only one returned. God, I pray today. Help us to be the one. Help us to be the individual that will come to you. pray that God you would help us to realize that in this place we have a hope that is found in you alone we have a hope in you alone so we pray today that we will have a heart of gratitude in this place in Jesus name